Back to Blair and Barker. The radio show, the TV show, the podcast. Why'd you do that? You did that with authority. It's normally my gig. Uh, we've been giving you a chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen to the radio or on our podcast. And uh, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. And it just occurred to me I'm doing this at a time when a lot of folks don't have phone service. Mm-hmm. So the herd has been thinned out, I guess is the way I would it put is. it. Um, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question, 59590. And we'll know who you're... We'll know who your cell provider is if you do that. <laughs> Yesterday we asked you, who was the first Royal to hit 40 home runs in a season? You had a lot of original guests. Shout out to the Joe Randa person. The answer was Jorge Soler, mm-hmm. who hit 48 in 2019. Barker got that. There's no way in hell I'm getting that. I was going like back with that. I worked hat. at it. I was going back with the Hal McRae, like back in the day, Steve Balboni, bye-bye Bell. No, Jorge Soler. The only reason I got it is because of that GM in, in Atlanta traded for him. That, that's the only reason why I remembered why he traded for him. All right. All right, so. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and the Royals at the Rogers Center on Saturday, July 16th. And took me... Less than, I'm just bragging here. It took me less than five seconds to get this answer. Mm. Who was the first Royals pitcher to win the Cy Young Award? Again, who was the first Royals pitcher to win the Cy Young Award? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. That is for a pair of tickets to see the Jays and Royals at the Rogers Center on Saturday, July 16th. Once the... Jays series against the Mariners concludes they will be back home for an interleague series against the Phillies starting on Tuesday. Then the Royals come into town. That's a two game series for the Phillies. And uh, we should mention that according to Jim Salisbury of uh, I think it's NBC Sports Philadelphia. Yes, it is NBC SN Philadelphia. Um, the Phillies are expected to be without quote several players who don't comply with the COVID-19 border policy. Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, Canadian native, uh, has told reporters that he will address that situation in St. Louis this weekend when the Phillies are in St. Louis. Uh, And Jim Salisbury just saying it's unclear how many Phillies players are unvaccinated or who they are. But again, several players who uh, won't be able to cross the border with the Phillies as a result of the border restrictions on vaccinations. So there you go. I mean, if you're a Blue Jays player, do you care? No. Everything they've been through, it's... Philly is a personal choice. You do what you have to, but... It's going to be... It's going to be sad not seeing Bryce Harper. It is. Yeah. It's gonna be, you know, it's going to be sad at times. Bryce Harper BP is a hoot. I don't think I don't think so much now as it was. I you know I watched it. It used to be I, fun. I, I, it used to be fun. Train. BP. When I watched him, because he was young, he was spry. He you know he's sort of trying to find his way. He wanted to show off a little bit. He's not like that anymore. I watched him spring training 
I actually went to Philly's camp when I was in spring training, mm-hmm. and I actually watched him take BP. He's a middle-of-the-other-way guy in, in batting practice. I mean, he would take a couple of swings where he'd get frisky. frisky. He, would, he would, you know, stay a little bit on his backside a little bit more. But he has simplified his lower half a little bit. I think he's more of a he, – he's trying to get a lot more hits now. And just because he has tremendous talent with the barrel and everything that he can do with his hands, the ball goes out of the yard. But I just think batting practice – perfect practice makes perfect. It takes experience to know that. Took me 15 years and a half to know that. By the time I figured it out, it's too late, Jeff. Caleb Joseph has a telephone. (laughs) And it works. And he's on Blair and Barker. So, Caleb, what's happening out there in the world? Can you give me some stock quotes or something before you (laughs) talk about this? Anybody been traded? Anything happened? I feel like I've, you know, there's a whole wide world out there and I have no access to it because, because. Everything everything's down here. So anything exciting happened in like the last six hours I need to know about? Not that I know of. Isn't it amazing how much we have become dependent on the worldwide intraweb? Yes. And uh isn't it amazing? Well it I is because I, I try to convince people at the start of the show that the Jays won ten eight last night. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was I, I thought I'd be able to do a good job, but numbnuts over here decided he wasn't going to play along with it. And uh, I and, love it. And there you go. It. I had to figure it out, man. Vladdy hitting a hitting a grand slam, you know. Uh, yeah. But but Barker wouldn't play along with it. So <laughs> I was, was going to see how long. Oh, they need it. Yeah, they oh, do, they need, do it. need it. They do need it. Right about now, a make believe win is, might be their best chance of. That's not. That's mean. That's not fair. That's not fair. They won the last game in Oakland. They did win the last they game did. in Oakland. They took, nice. they took the A's out to the woodshed 2-1. Caleb, uh, uh, do you have any idea why the Jays started Anthony Bonda last night? Um, who else, right? I mean, not really who else, but Casey Lawrence. He's going to come in and he's going to do kind of what he's done the past couple games. But this to me is it just reeks of of not panic button but how is how is how are we going to get through the first inning and mm-hmm. looking at some of these numbers and saying okay well maybe this matchup is the best and um it's worked for the rays it's worked for a number of different teams we're a bit in disarray right now with our starting rotation scenario and how can we best get out of the first inning and it totally backfired and for me it's like how are you going to put a guy in his first, you know, appearance just right into like an opener? I mean, I, I don't know. It just reeks of somebody trying to reinvent the wheel a little bit too much instead of just go let Lawrence start and give him a clean inning. And you know what? This is just a product of, of a rotation being totally whacked right now. Mm-hmm. And stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, but that's just me. And I don't know. Maybe. I mean, my thought, my thought was I got Sergio Romo in my bullpen. He's the original opener. Yep. I mean, I know what he's going to give yeah. me. You know, Sergio's going out there. It's going to be slider, 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 slider. And I don't know. I, Kevin and I talked about this. You know, opening the game, if you're a hitter, starting the game against a dude who's throwing sliders can, it can be not, kind of uncomfortable. It's not, not what you're used not to seeing. Not too many hitters look slider early in games is, is just yeah. the point. And the big, the big horizontal one at mm-hmm. you know seventeen inches of horizontal, whatever twenty two inches of horizontal break at eighty four, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I would, I would not consider putting 
Bonda in that position. Not, not. I, I just, I wouldn't have done it. Um, being so new to the team, never doing it before, coming off of what is it a ton of hits per inning? Um, I, it just didn't. It didn't make sense to me. I was a little bit shocked. And to me, it's like every every decision like this. It, look, the Jays didn't make the playoffs by one game, and you just never know. And they're they're getting sick and tired. You can just tell the offense, especially, is getting sick and tired of playing behind every single game and it does something to you mentally Mm -hmm. when you are constantly behind you just the games are harder mentally you just you're trying to keep going you're trying to grind it out you're trying to do all these things and sometimes it's good to just get ahead for once you know where oh wow you know we we jumped out to a 4-0 lead after the second inning and our pitchers threw up three consecutive zeros that's amazing you know but isn't it funny how through the course of a season the starting pitching was just fantastic. I mean, was the glue to the team for a long time. And the ebbs and flows, it's always amazing to me, the ebbs and flows of the season. And now these poor, I mean, these poor starters are decimated, right? I mean, you're just begging to get five adding, five innings out of a Brios. I mean, Kikuchi's on the IL with a neck strain. I find that to be just classic. I mean, they couldn't have said general soreness in the ankle or a hip strain. I mean, they had to go with a neck strain as if, you know, dude's giving up hard, loud contact. I mean, come on. I mean, but anyways, isn't it funny the ebbs and flows of a season that now the pitching is just is just in, in, in a wreck right now? See, I like to think that whoever came up with that definition, it's, it's somebody who's a reader, somebody who's a writer, somebody who thought, okay, how can we come up with an injury that – it's not that nobody's going to have fun with an injury, but, you know, neck strain. You go, why? Do you hurt his neck from turning around to look at all the balls going by him? You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I like to think that people, if you're going to do it, it's, it's you know, kind of be creative. So I, I don't know. I kind of like the neck strain thing. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's I mean, perfect. I think, it was a, I think it was a position player that invented it that was sick and tired of watching these pitchers you know, <laughs> go out there and throw balls. And when they do get hit, it's at 150 miles an hour right past their face. It may have been a position player who, you know, like I said, went Jeff Gilhooley on him. You never know. <laughs> that, might, that, might, that might have been Pete Walker. Caleb, Caleb, you're not too far removed from baseball, and you've been with the Blue Jays organization, you know, not too long ago. And you mentioned that uh, – you know, early in games, playing behind. And we've actually heard Matt Chapman come out and say something about it. We've had heard George Springer come out and say something about it. And I just listened to you there mention it and talk about how it's a thing and it's a mental grind. And I just want you to take us inside a room and, and the conversations, because that's sort of a group conversation of, right, you know, the, the sort of you're planning for it before it actually happens. And, and you know, Caleb, you've been around baseball long enough, and the, the, the more you think about something, the worse it can get. Is, is that a thing? How hard is that to get past of where you sort of just try and let the game come to you? It is. It's absolutely a thing, and especially when it continues to trend in that direction. And you kind of start pre-planning it before it even happens, mm-hmm. and that's never good because on the, on the reverse – you know how it is, Barker. Like when you're rolling, you're just thinking about beating the snot out of the team the next day, right? You're not even thinking about anything other than just whipping you know what. And when it's the opposite, it's tough because, especially, look, we're all humans, okay? You look at the least, you look at where you're going, you look at who you're playing, and everybody knows exactly who's pitching or who's not pitching or this or that. And let's be real, like, 
when when you see that Gosman's not in there, when you see that Brios is not in there, when you see that somebody else is in there that might not have been there at the start of the season, it's kind of like, all right, like we, we might have to try and get six in the first inning just to have a lead, you know. And that is that's that type of like pressure that that major leaguers are, are they get paid to play with pressure, right? But night in, night out, especially during this kind of seems like four to six weeks phase where the starting pitching has just been really up and down and really up and down. And as an offense, you don't feel like you can really trust many guys that take the hill. And so there's that constant thought of we have to do more, do more, do more. And when you try and do more, do more, do more, the game has a way of just not allowing you to do that. And I always say, you know, ask for a little bit in this game and you'll get a lot. You know, when you when you just try and meet the ball, when you just try and hit it square, you usually end up getting a lot out of it. But when you go up there and try and do more, usually it doesn't go well. And when the pitching staff has been so inconsistent, it's very easy to keep thinking, we have to do more as an offense. And you have these streaks, you have these little good games, bad games, good games, bad games versus kind of the consistency that they're probably looking for. Caleb, you've been in the locker room with the main guys in that, in that lineup and, and that lineup is their strength. You know, they got a couple of uh, starters who are their strength and are going to give them a chance to win most of the time, but their lineup is sort of what they're hanging their hat on. And Jeff brought up the point in the first hour of maybe you think around about mixing up some main guys to maximize what they do well, like move a Boba shit down in the order, maybe the fourth to the fourth or fifth spot, right? Get some traffic on that way his aggression at the plate is sort of playing into his strength now because you got a, a pitcher on the mound that can't nibble to try and get him to chase you know these guys you've been in a locker room with them you know not too long ago do you think they could buy into that this time of the season to maybe make a little bit of a change maybe mix it up maybe have a little fun with it absolutely i really do i and you mentioned Bo. Bo's a gamer. Like you nailed it on the head when you have, or you have called him a lunch pail guy. Like that's it. He don't care. He wants to win. And he wants to win now. So convincing him of moving in the lineup, no problem at all. Vladdy, I don't know. I, I be honest with you. I think if 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 you say this is our best chance to win a World Series, he'll get on board. Vladdy wants to win a World Series. He might come across as being all fun and fun and games, but let me tell you, that guy wants to win, and he gets ticked. When 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 the team's losing, I mean ticked off. You just can't see it, but it's it's just who he is. And same with Lourdes. Like Lourdes wants to play. I I, I look at what Boston did, right? And they kind of shuffled it around with Bogarts, Martinez, mm-hmm. and Devers. And boy, that seems to really have worked out because they were kind of yeah yeah just okay. And then you start when they came into Toronto to play the Jays that. Their offensive stats were unbelievable, and it just kind of did something to that lineup. And I don't think there was anything really statistically that made Cora do that, just kind of a hunch. And, yeah, when you shake the lineup up and stuff like that, it as long as there's no egos, you're fine. And quite honestly, like, I know it seems like there might be an ego in there, but, hey, it's all about winning. And if you have 26, 27 guys that are truly committed to winning, it shouldn't matter. And I think a bunch of those guys in there absolutely are are committed to winning and i'm with you barker like i i kind of don't really understand why bo's at the top i never really have because dude gets hits mm-hmm. right he gets hits and i mean you've got to get hits to score runs 
I mean, the game is about scoring runs and preventing runs. And so I'm still a big believer in the run batted in. I think that's an important stat because that's how you actually win a game. I'm I'm sorry, but until the game is not played by runs, I think it's an important game. So who can score runs and who can hit them in? And the dude gets hits. So it's like I want him batting with the guys on base. Like find somebody else to get on base. Put Kevin up there. You know, he gets on base. George Mm -hmm. gets on base, whatever. But I want the guy who's going to get a hit. Hitting with guys on base. So I, I would put him down somewhere around there, but that's I, just me. I would just think it would be an easier sale with George Springer, you know, the the general soreness, and I laugh and I shouldn't because we have no idea what's going on, but general soreness is a little funny with a guy making $150 million who's been around as long as George Springer's been around. But that's for another day. I just think when he's not leading off, it just opens the door for change. Like, you know, it's we, we know what your weakness is. Like, your weakness is your pitching, and you fall behind a lot. Maybe on the road when you're hitting first. Maybe you're just mixing it up, give yourself a different look. You'll have a little bit more fun. Maybe you'll catch fire and score a bunch of runs and make it a little easier for Charlie and the stuff that you have to go to later in games to piece it together and win games that way. Yep, and they did it. They shook it up, right? They shook it up probably, what was it? I don't know, six or eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it seems like right kind of around there, they went into that little eight-game heat or shortly thereafter maybe. It can't hurt. There's no there's no real massive egos on that team, trust me. Like, there's not. Like, the question is, it, can Charlie go in there and have a conversation about it? And, yeah, I mean, I think he can, but you got to try. I mean, it, it, it's getting to the point, honestly, where it's not desperation, but this this team is trending the wrong way very very quickly, and so uh, I don't. It not massive steps, but some like they've got to do something to kickstart what's going on. Yes, they they are truly limping into the All Star break, and every one of these games matter. They just matter. Look at last year. Can't say that enough. They won a ton of games. Every single game matters, especially coming off of losing two out of three from Oakland. Uh, it's just, uh, that's pitiful. It's just pitiful. So try something, try something. And I, I love the idea of, of moving some guys around in the lineup and just trying to jumpstart it. Caleb, uh, Kevin Gossman sounds like he wants to make the start Sunday, uh, at least based on what he said to reporters in Seattle. We know that the x-rays on that ankle showed that it was not fractured. It was, it was a contusion. I am, I, I'm always in the camp where I don't actually like letting the player or pitcher make the decision because most guys, I assume, want to play or want to pitch. How would you approach this if you were the Blue Jays? Because I'm almost in the position right now that, and, and I know a guy can hurt himself, you know, he can hurt himself getting out of bed and stepping the wrong way in the hotel room. I, I, I get all that. Or he could hurt himself throwing on flat ground, and whatever, mm-hmm. but... What would you do? Would you would you start Kevin Gossman on Sunday, or would you give this injury give it more time to heal? And you know what? If it's still a little sore, then we can look at it again after the All Star break. How, how would you play this? Yeah, great, great question. Um, the the issue I have with Kevin is it it's the back right ankle. It's that plant ankle. Okay, so it's his kind of push and stabilization ankle, and if it was if it was the land one, I would almost be okay with the land one because you can you can kind of spin off of that one, right? Mm-hmm. But I let me ask you let let me kind of reverse it and put it on you, Jeff. If the 
Blue Jays were five games behind the Yankees, and they were running away with one of the top wild card spots ahead maybe five, six, seven games already. Going into this All-Star break, does that change the way you think about how Gosman would start? Probably. You know, Honestly, yes, probably. Like desperation? Probably. Yeah, it would so change So that's it. kind of my answer. Right. You know, that's kind of my answer is like, I, I believe he's probably pushing this out of desperation because of how the club is playing, right? So for me, that tends to make it seem like he's probably not ready but feels responsible because of his contract and because of who he is in terms of trying to – and what's been going on with a lot of starting pitching is I need to go out there and I need to give my team a really good chance to win, right? Those are the type of decisions that scare me because if he ain't ready – now he does something silly, you know, like really tries to get after a fastball and really push off that foot, and who knows what happens, right? And now you may lose him for a month. And then and that's the devastating blow. So I don't think you can make the playoffs in, in July, and I'd probably sit him and take it out of his hands. Problem is, I mean, who in the world is going to start? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the problem. So it's yeah. like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but hey, that ain't Kevin Gosman's fault for not having massive depth. You know, like, bro, get ready, get healthy, and we'll see you next trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think the uh, Max Castillo throwing multiple innings last night will tell you a lot about who's starting on Sunday and, and what Kevin Gosman has told the Blue Jays and Pete Walker about him wanting to start. Like, I hate to hear it, and, and you, you, you know, you don't want him to be injured. But, man, with just who started last night and who you would have thought maybe would have started on Sunday, who now can't start – well, sort sort of. What do you do now? So it's it's a rock and, yeah. a, and a hard place kind of thing. And, and I'm with you. I hope Kevin Gosman didn't go out and hurt and hurt himself. But I, I want to move on to one more question before we let you go. Uh, Ross Atkins going into, into the trade deadline. You know, maybe was thinking I add some pieces. I don't give up some some big time pieces at my minor league level. With the optics the way they are now, you you're being afar. Me and Jeff live this every single day. We're really close to it. But you can sort of step away from it, and you can see big picture. You can see optics. Do you now think because of the way the optics look and the way the season was supposed to start and where the Blue Jays were supposed to go and the way they look now, do you think Ross has to go out and make a big splash? Not a splash, a big splash. Yes, and. Maybe even maybe even multiple big splashes, possibly. Listen to y'all with Morosi, and I think you're dead on. Like it, it's, it, it they they're not a guy away. I think they could be two or maybe even three guys away, and it's going to take quality to get quality. Like there's no need in going and getting some guy off waivers or some some somebody's fifth starter that's going to do the exact same as a Casey Lawrence or a Max Castillo. Like you got to go get a donkey, right? you got to go get a big old horse that is going to do something on the pitching side. And I think you got to go get a big old left-handed bat that just mashes. And it's going to take some massive quality, and especially if you're going after somebody like Lopez in Miami. It's going to – because he's got years of control, it's going to, it, it might take somebody that the Blue Jays covet. And they've got to make that decision. How, how much do they covet – what's going on right here, right now, and a possibility to, to go try and win a World Series, or how much are they going to covet the, the future? You know, mm-hmm. I, For me personally, I, and goodness, this is probably fireable offense, but like, I'm getting real sick and tired of prospects being valued more than established major leaguers. I'm just tired of it. And how many times do these guys actually really pan out? But 
reality is they just they hold on to these prospects and they might miss out not necessarily Blue Jays day but just teams in general and they might miss out on a really nice blockbuster trade because they're valuing the future more than they are the present so are you in or you're out you know which one problem is I think they're a couple moves away and I, I I'm not even sure it's possible to do three massive quality moves in in one off season so I do. I do. One last thing. I do kind of differ a little bit. That, given the playoffs, I, I like Manoa. I like Gosman. I like Brios against the Yankees. Like, mm-hmm. I like. I, I think that. I think they have a chance. Like, I don't think it's a. Oh no, forget it. Like, we have no chance. Just so we have no chance. I, goodness, I mean, there there are vulnerabilities with that lineup. Five game series. Like, you never know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be those three, going all the way around. So. Who knows? I mean, big boy Manoa shows up like you never know. So I, I, I think it's time to go for it. Fans are anticipating it. Why not? Caleb, really good stuff, man. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. We'll see appreciate you up it. here. See Be you well. Guys. Caleb Joseph, Blue Jays analyst in the Sportsnet. That is, yeah, I think we have to say that this, the, the notion that the Blue Jays just need one more impact bullpen arm, that it's going to make a difference. I, there is more work that well, needs to be done. It's not going to hurt. No, but they need there's a lot more, more work that needs to be done. Oh, with absolutely. This team. And I I would be looking at if if I can get somebody like Pablo Lopez or somebody with a little bit of control. And I get Caleb's point. The, the issue I have with really going out there and blowing the doors off somebody and getting a starting pitcher is. I'm okay in a three-game series right now with the guys I have. Yeah, I uh, obviously that other starting pitcher would help me get to the postseason. I get that, but I don't know if I want to go all in to get to improve something I already have, as opposed to going all in to get things that I don't have. You know, perhaps putting together a package where I get a lefty hitter and a bullpen arm, but. You may, to get that done, it's entirely possible you're, you're going to have to move someone off the major league roster to do that. And, and I think that's, that's a thought that we have to entertain. And I didn't think, I, I, I admit, I thought at the trade deadline, you know, once, once Jose Ramirez re-signed with Cleveland, I thought, okay, they're going to have Alejandro Kirk. This is the lineup going forward. At the trade deadline, they'll make some move to bring in a left-handed bat and we'll, you know, and, and, and we'll go from there. But I think at this point in time, you, you know, you've got to look at where do you where are you going to get that left-handed hitter? Where are you going to get him? Well, he's not going to be a catcher. He's not going to be a first baseman. He's not going to be at second. He's not going to be at short or third. He's going to be an outfielder. For me, that for me, that's an off-season thing you, that you you figure out the lead left-handed hitter. Their offense is good enough. If they have better pitching and consistent quality pitching. Their offense is good enough to make the playoffs and make a decent run at it. Is it to win the World Series? There's two behemoths. There, there's but one behemoth saying, in the National League and you, two in the American you've League. You've been saying all along they need more balance. Absolutely. And now but, you're just but, saying no, that. No, but now that you see how good they can look this year with good pitching, okay. that that little thing about the balance of the line, absolutely. To win the World Series, they need a legit left-handed hitter. Somebody can work the count and go the other way that good, good, good pitching. Yeah. They absolutely need that. Is that realistic that they can go out and get that this year? No, but okay. it's realistic that you could give up a top three prospect that you have and add a big leaguer, Teoscar or Alejandro Kirk, if you have to, and get a legitimate starting pitcher because you know the way it looks, the way your team looks, if your starter looks good. If it can give you 
four or five scoreless to give your lineup, your right-handed dominant lineup, chances to get enough of a good pitch to hit to, to do some damage on. So it's not a perfect world. And are they good enough to win the World Series this year? Probably not, just because they have a lot of holes. And this has just thrown the spotlight all over it. The depth, the, the quality of depth, they just don't have it. Like, let's be honest, they just don't. Like, there's no way to, to sugarcoat it. But you can you can add some legitimate pieces and say the offense, the defense, the base running, the baseball IQ for the most part is good enough. If we just bring in some quality, doesn't have to be three or four of them, bring in one and in an established big leaguer, maybe a, 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 a you know an earlier Sergio Romo, like an established guy that's been there and done it that knows how to add and subtract. If, that, if that's a spin guy, that's oh, what they want to live and had, die with. We just finished okay. saying spin. Perfect world is you get the really good starter, and then you do the spin thing. Again, it's not a perfect world, but at least you're trying to do some things, and you're showing your organization and your team that we're in this thing because we, we believe in it. And that's that's sort of Caleb's. Caleb can talk to this because he's not too far removed from the Blue Jays' locker room. See, what I would – And can get the feel of, of how that is and 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 – the conversations that's being had, and that's a big deal. The team that that I'm kind of keeping an eye on when it comes to this is the Los Angeles Angels. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. You look at a guy like Noah Syndergaard, and we know the Jays, we, well, we know the Jays spoke to Noah Syndergaard in the offseason. Iglesias. And, and Iglesias. There's another guy I was thinking of. Uh, you know, if, if, you can add, if you can add an arm like that, like a Syndergaard, so that you're not... Um, you know, you're 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 not taking somebody else's fifth starter. You're taking somebody else's number two or number three starter, and he's your number four starter. He's a guy that might be able to get you get you into the postseason without costing a great deal. And then once you're in the postseason, you can figure out what you do with him. You can figure out how you're going to yep. use him. You may at least you, you made the playoffs. You may put him on the roster because you don't know. Alec Manoa may be up against it at that point. Throw him in you the bullpen. Do something like that. Exactly. But I, I think we're in agreement that, that what they need, in addition, they need a certain type of pitcher. They do. They need a certain type of pitcher. And that's, you know, that, that's, that, that's, that's where I think they ought to be focusing. The, the, the big move, I, th- I, I just think the big move probably, you could have done it by now. I think you, 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 you could have done it by now because... It is true that the expanded playoffs has changed the equation a bit. But let's face it. Cincinnati's been out of the playoffs since the start of the season. Pittsburgh's been out of the playoffs since the start of the season. Arizona's not going to the postseason. Colorado's not going to the postseason. Oakland. Oakland's not. There are teams out there that, that are willing to make trades right now. And and that's what kind of confuses me a little bit. I, I would have thought that maybe they would have pushed the envelope a little more, that Ross would have pushed pushed the envelope a little more in that area. Because I'm not I'm I'm not buying the argument that, oh, everybody's reluctant to trade because of expanded playoffs. If you look at the standings, there are a ton of there are a ton of teams that have no chance maybe. of making the playoffs, and they haven't had a chance of making the playoffs for, for three weeks. Maybe maybe you ever thought that there may not be a lot of interest in their in their top prospects. Well, we've talked about this. It's entirely yeah. possible. Maybe that's it. Entirely Maybe possible. he's tried and he just doesn't have a ton of interest. It's just funny that when they were asking, have you had any phone calls? Now you would expect this answer from him about the catchers 
But it's just funny that he said, well, it's real funny that we haven't, we don't get a lot of phone calls. And he turned it around and said that it's because they know that we value our catchers a ton. <laughs> but if you have to throw in a catcher to get what you need, you throw in a catcher. It is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast, we will step away and come back and put a bow on this phoneless Friday. We could have wireless Wednesday, phoneless Friday. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. lost my head not that it matters nobody's calling us uh it's blair and barker on sportsnet 590 defense sportsnet 360 we've pieced it together we've pieced it together so what do we let's, what, what should we talk about we talked about I mean, we beat the crap out of their crappy bullpen and and you know we talked about the the, the lineup and what we would do and uh Looking ahead to Sunday. I got, I got a bad feeling about it. I don't want Kevin Gossman starting Sunday. I'll be disappointed if he starts Sunday. I think with Max doing last night, I, I think they've already made up their mind. I, Unless they go out and get somebody, which they, I'm sure they couldn't do that, and that person start on Sunday, which would be very tough. Let me ask you this. And you're not having a bullpen game. You know, given the... <laughs> maybe, maybe, every every maybe, day is a maybe bullpen Maybe it'll be day. determined on the next two games, on how these next two games go. You win both of those games. Well, you, I mean, I don't want to say it, and I hate to say it this way, but maybe you punt game four. I hate to say it that way, split, and I, and I would never four. do it. I would never do it because every game matters the way it matters, even right before the All Star break. You got an off day Monday, so and then you got Philly and Kansas City, and then you have the All Star break. It's just funny that they did a a a x another X ray. That would tell you that he's trying to gear himself up for something to fight through pain. Would it be okay if I had pain jumping off yeah. the mound? Am I going to hurt it worse? That, for me, is what that told me. First time I heard that, I think Hazel reported that or Shy reported that. Yeah, he had a second that. x-ray. Yeah, that would tell you that he's gearing up for, can you duct tape that thing up? I go out there, if I feel pain, is it going to hurt it worse? And they said, no, okay, I'm doing it. Hmm? Is that sure what it sounds like? Yeah. That's at least the way I read into it. Yeah. Whenever I heard that, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we don't know if Danny Jansen will uh, will rejoin. We were led to believe there was a chance he would be there this weekend. Jimmy Garcia is back with with the team. Well, he's in Seattle, or he was in Seattle. That would me. sure. I mean, you you would sure think if he's there. I mean, if he's there <laughs> what, and he's what not, they keep, why are they keeping him off the roster for? Like, yeah. And tonight would be a good night, as you said. <laughs> if you you put him on the roster tonight, you are you are set up. Pretty nicely. You sure are. Uh, and you've you've used Casey Lawrence and Max Castillo, so maybe you. I mean, there's there's the there's way. your obvious there's your obvious move. Uh, but uh, and then of course the other thing we'll be monitoring is 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 George Springer because let's be clear there have been there have been suggestions <clears throat> there have been suggestions for the past couple of weeks that he's not entirely healthy and there there have been some concerns about that elbow and I know. <clears throat> That he has in the past taken some ugly hacks. That's kind of part of his deal. And, you know, I, I, I was a guy, every time I saw him take one of those ugly hacks, I thought, oh, my God, he, he's hurting himself. And then he speak to people around the team, and they say, well, no, actually, sometimes that's kind of the way it looks. But, man, he's just been in such a, he's been in such a free fall. 
Okay, but the past, the, there's the a past one, couple of weeks I mean, makes me a couple of days. It makes if, me think that there's something lingering there. If you know what you're looking there. for, you can tell that those whenever he goes to one knee and he has finish with his swing, just because he has so much force when the front foot hits the ground that it's got to go somewhere, and the easiest place it goes is to to one knee. Okay, that's fine and Danny when he finishes it, but you can tell it's got that little alligator where he doesn't want to use his top hand to get extension, and that's what I was seeing. Like there's one, there's a couple ways to read into that, and it's just again, it's Tabby was making the point of you face a lefty on the mound, and one of your better right-handed hitters is not in the game, you can DH them. General soreness, guys that played long enough know how to work through that. I know what they said, and again, we're not in the room, but we're we're smart baseball fans. And ho- hopefully, I hope he's raring and ready to go today and he can lead off. I wanted to ask you about Robbie Ray because you referred to this a little bit earlier in the show. And Robbie Ray and Alcum Noah are going to start, are, are going to face each other on Saturday. And that's kind of the marquee, that's the marquee matchup this weekend um, if, uh, if, if, if you're a baseball fan. Now, we talked to Ryan Roland Smith about Robbie Ray introducing the two-seamer, basically mid-game, it sounded. And, and I actually wrote a little blurb on this in Sportsnet.ca a couple of weeks ago that he literally came in the dugout. I think it was against Boston or Houston. And yeah. essentially the conversation was, dude, uh, two-pitch thing ain't working. Uh, it's just not. And so now he's starting to throw a two-seamer. All right, so the Jays, now they haven't seen this Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray didn't accompany the team to Toronto when the Mariners we're here because of the vaccination regulations. So they haven't seen this Robbie Ray. They probably have video on him. I'm sure they have video on him. If you are the Blue Jays, what is, because you kind of joked, you said, you know, the Jays are going to go up there and they're going to be waiting for the two-seamer. I presume you were joking. Oh. I mean, it's a half joke. But we've seen the, we've seen this lineup that they think that they can go up and look for a pitcher's best pitch. I'm not saying that's Robbie Ray's best pitch, but he's got enough confidence in it. He's not going to abuse it. But I'm, I'm going to think, you know, just uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is an example. You've noticed uh, the last couple of games in, in uh, Oakland, he's sitting hook. You can see it. Every hook he got, he's swinging at it. Why, why do you think that you can hit it at somebody's hook when everybody else can't hit it? I guess, So I, I would think there will be a little bit of that. Should there be a lot of that? Absolutely not. Robbie Ray added that to get the hitters off of his strength. That's He's not going to abuse the two-seamer. He's not going to throw it a bazillion times. I can't get on my phone to look to see how many mm-hmm. times he's, he's throwing it. But I would assume just by coming off a, a, a Cy Young year, getting paid the way he's been paid, you make adjustments. You don't abuse a new weapon. He's not abusing it. He'll throw it. If you're a Blue Jays hitter, you think about location of of where he throws it and when does he throw it. What count does he throw it in? And if I'm with two strikes, he throws it with two strikes, I have to protect to fight it off to try and hit it the other way. Maybe I do that. But I don't go up looking for it. I'm still going to split the plate in half, give him the the ball away, and I'm going to look in. You're getting a ball in from him. He's still a very aggressive guy in there. Now he may sprinkle in the movement with the two-seamer in, but he's not going to abuse it. So it's for me, it's more about plate awareness with this team. That, that's a lot of it. It's it's you they expand quite a bit. They get themselves out, which puts that subpar pitcher in a groove. That's what you see. That's what you saw in Oakland. So subpar pitchers getting grooves because they expand early in games. They chase, they get outs early in counts. 
You know, I, I brought up the, the Alejandro Kirk bat where he saw, I think it was four fastballs. He went to a 3-2 count, and then he got a hit off a fastball. Well, he's seen four of them already. Mm-hmm. That's a professional. You talk about professional at bats. That's a professional at bat off a guy you don't know. You're having a bat, right? You want to work a count. You want to see it, especially your first one. You don't want to go up like Vladdy did, swinging an 0-0 breaking ball that's five inches up out of the strike zone. Now, I say it was out of the strike zone, but you watched C.B. Buckner last night. You, you, you. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, they got when the automated strike zone comes, they got nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, that's a joke. C.B. Buckner's been around since, like, 1996. I'd clean it up. Like, you can tell he's a low-ball ump, which is a good thing. You know that going in. But when you're calling pitches on for both, against both teams that are feet off the plate, it's like, that's a, I got off track there. But for the Robbie Ray thing, just, just don't overthink it. He's added it to get, his, to get you thinking about something else. But he's still dominant in with a four-seamer and a slider. Don't swing at both of those. Swing at one of them. Get it on the plate. And with two strikes, battle. Try that. You asked Caleb an interesting question about um, this this team. And, and one of the reasons I like Caleb analyzing this team is because he's played with these guys. He's mm-hmm. been in the clubhouse with Bo. He he knows what makes those – he knows – Caleb's the type of guy. He knows what makes what Can floats, they handle what floats your boat. He knows what floats. Mm-hmm. He knows what floats your. He he makes it a point of of knowing what guys, knowing what guys are all about. When a team is having an issue getting behind too early in a game, and we know what the Jays have talked about how expanding and chasing, changing their approaches and all that. How do you go about addressing that? How do you go about changing that mindset? Can you change that mindset? Is it a matter of, we know these guys have hitters meetings. Does it come up in the hitters meeting? Does mm-hmm. a player have to say something? Is, is, there, is there a way of, of getting out of that, that mindset? Because you can't, I mean, the obvious way is give us a great start. Let us take a 4 nothing lead into the second or third inning. Then away we go. But absent that, is there something that can be done to break that, what, that mindset? What is a manager and an organization's job for an individual player? Put him in the best position to succeed. Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought up the point in the first hour about mixing up the lineup. I would think that has nothing to do with the player. The player's not going to change. I have that, I've had this conversation with you, and I've had this conversation with listeners about, about John Gibbons when I was standing around the cage. Why, why is the dude trying to hit the ball away from the shift? He looked right at me as a serious, like he'd been thinking about this forever and had conversations with players because they didn't, they got to the big legs, big leagues doing it one way. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change now, right? They're going to try and hit the baseball hard. If you're standing there, you're out. Like they're not going to inside out a baseball because that's not the way they got to the big leagues. Sometimes you need the, the grown up in the room to make the change for you. And I just think in this situation here, I'm not saying it's like a demotion because it's not. Yeah. But you're, you, the, the strength is a couple of your starters and your lineup. It's okay because of George Springer not being healthy 100%. We can all agree on that, whatever it is. It's now a golden opportunity for you to mix it around a little bit and put people in positions that they can be themselves and not have to think about, oh, we're down. Now I have to do more. No, no, no. I don't want you doing that. 
I'm going to put you in the best positions to be better. So if maybe I put Bo in the cleanup spot, which is what you like, I'm just throwing that out there, yeah. put him in there, he can go up and be aggressive because there's traffic on the bases. And now a pitcher has to be in the strike zone more, which feeds to his strength. That's why you have a manager. That's why you have an organization. Now, it's not all the – the manager in 2022 is not making this decision. So it's going to be an organizational thing. But that's up to the organization. I really do think this time of the year – it's not – I've said this to you. It's not timing. It's not mechanics anymore. So now it's – if you're – if this is a conversation and this is an issue, which it is because they've been leaders of this team, come out and say it. So we know it's an issue. Now it's for the grown-ups to say, okay, it's not a demotion. We're just going to do some things to mix it around and, and try and put you in that best position so every time you come up, you got a real good chance of doing damage. And I've always thought that when you get into July, and, and, and this isn't from talking to anybody just kind of my observation from watching a ton of baseball. When you get into July, you can do stuff without it seeming like panic. If you do stuff early in the year, like major moves in your lineup early in the year to me are whoa. But around July, around the All-Star break, I think a, a, a good manager and a good coaching staff you should know you should have enough of a handle in your guys to say we're going to just make some changes. Let's see how it looks. I'm sure. Just change do. it up a bit. I'm sure they we got the All Star break. Let's just see, let's see how it let's see how it looks. Charlie seems to have to fill the room, but I, I think the panic thing's gone. It's it's here. Anthony Bonda pitched yesterday in a in a game uh, that know really if, matters. I, I think that's panic. A see, little. I, I don't know if that's panic or just a stupid decision. I mean, it's an it's well, it's entirely I said possible. It nicely, it's a you stupid did. decision. I mean, it, it just you're is. probably right. Um. But I, I well the way it went, you are right. But I, I don't know about uh, about the panic thing. I think at this point in the season, you you can start you can start making you can start making some moves, and I think you get to a certain point in the season where you don't have to justify making moves to players. And and I think I think we're there right now. And and I I get it. it's not moving the lineup around isn't going to take away from the fact that you don't know if you're going to get six innings out of Ross Stripling it's tonight. Not- it's not. It, it's not. It's not moving the lineup around isn't going to suddenly make uh, make this bullpen the best it, bullpen in baseball, but it might create that sense of give you some sort of dynamism offensively. All you want, all you want to do is maximize that player's strength. Yeah. That's all you're trying to do here. You're not demoting that player by moving them around in the order. If I want Vladdy to hit second in July, Vladdy's sitting second. I'm not asking anymore. Like. I just shit. That's I'm gonna say. I, this is what we want because this is the strength of our team, and I think it would make our entire lineup better if you hit here. Okay, perfect. You work for me. It's and not we the need other to, way around. Let's keep in mind this whole season started. This whole season started with the organization wanting Vladdy to Absolutely. hit second. I mean, they did, and we've talked about it, and and everybody else has talked about. It. Nobody's denied that. That was on the table. That was the preferred option. And the pitch to Vladdy was, you get more at-bats, it increases your... You want to be an MVP candidate? You want to win a triple crown? You're so good that the more times you come to the plate, the better the chance of something happening. And they couldn't sell him on that at the start of the year. And I'm not blaming him in anything, but I, but, but I get back to this. In the last 
couple of off seasons, this team tried to add, to, to add Michael Brantley. That didn't work out. They tried to go after Jose Ramirez. That didn't work out. We know they're looking for more balance, and they tried to convince Vladdy Jr. to hit second. So the front office and the coaching staff have some definite ideas about this lineup and about what this team needs to get better. And I think maybe we need to stop looking at this lineup as just kind of a finished product because I don't think it is. I don't either. I don't. I don't think it is a I don't finished either. product. Yeah, and I think they're telling us by what they've tried to do. I also think it tells you, watching Vladdy hit this year, that he may need a little bit more protection around him, like some like some guys that hit behind him that force some other pitchers on the plate early in counts to take a little pressure off Vladdy just to be Vladdy. Yeah. There you go. I it. think we got through it. We got through it. Thanks for Caleb Joseph. To Caleb Joseph for having a working phone. We found the one man. Actually, credit Mark Boffo for finding the one man in the world with the working phone. Uh, that is it for us. Now, we're going to take a little time off. No, not next week. During the All-Star break. So we'll be back next week from 10 to noon Eastern. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk post-game next week as well. Phillies are in town. The Royals are in town. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.